Hey everybody, happy new year. Hope you're all doing great and staying faithfully committed to your new year's resolutions. I for one am feeling optimistic, very excited about 2022. I think it's gonna be a big year. I think it's gonna be a positive year and I feel like we all deserve it after what's been happening in the world recently. And today we're gonna be making a bit of an announcement about my new career change, I guess you could say. Uh, last week I announced that I was gonna be leaving my longtime sponsor, The North Face. And today we are talking a bit about what's next for me in the broader context of what is next for the sport by speaking to two new entrepreneurs in trail running, the two co-founders of Speedland, a new hyper-performance trail equipment company based here in Portland, Oregon, who have recently released their first footwear product, the SLPDX, the best trail running shoe ever made, in my opinion. And I'm very happy to say, I'm very grateful to say that Speedland is going to be my new footwear partner going forward. And I use that word partner very intentionally and I'll explain why, but Basically, to give you a little background here, over the past year or longer, probably closer to 18 months, I have grown just somewhat tired of the traditional athlete sponsorship model that I had been part of for the past decade. There was a time in my career, really most of my career, where getting a free box of gear and a paycheck and striving every day to be a good athlete was all I cared about. I have been in the sport, I've been doing this for a long time, and that is simply not the case anymore. I still, yes, obviously want to be a good athlete. I still want to compete. I still want to push myself athletically, but I also really critically became enamored of finding partners who valued me as an athlete, yes, but who also saw the value in what we're doing on the media and community and events side of our business. And I was connected to Dave Dombrow and Kevin Fallon, our two guests today, and the two co-founders of Speedland. I was introduced to them several months ago and have since developed a great friendship with them, genuinely feel a connection with them as human beings and as fellow trail people and really just feel like we saw the sport similarly and we were on the same wavelength in our thinking about the opportunity present in this particular moment in the history of trail running. And our partnership is a very unique and novel one, something that I'm incredibly excited about and feel fortunate to be a part of. Our partnership will include Sponsorship as an athlete, obviously, but also Speedland will be sponsoring the Gorge Waterfalls 50K and 100K. And also, I'm happy to say, Speedland will henceforth be the title sponsor of this podcast, a true holistic 360 degree partnership. And I am super grateful to both Dave and Kevin for seeing the value and potential in what we're doing and for being willing to forge this non-traditional athlete arrangement. If this is your first time hearing of Speedland, we go into the whole story in this episode, both Dave and Kevin's backgrounds and careers in the footwear industry. These guys are superstars. Uh, we talk about the origins of the brand and the core values and philosophies that we here at Free Trail feel so aligned with. And of course, we talk in great detail at the end about our new 
and novel partnership. Also, if you're new to Speedland, again, they are going to be the title sponsor of this podcast. So please go check them out. Go visit runspeedland.com and use code FREETRAIL15, capital F, FREETRAIL15 for 15% off of these hyper premium, hyper performance pieces of trail equipment. Also, if you don't already, go follow them on Instagram at runspeedland. You can find links to both things in the show notes. So if you appreciate what we do, go support these guys because they are very much part of the free trail family now. And I'm very happy about it. I will have another announcement about my new apparel partner very soon. It's also very exciting and very different. Uh, So I'll provide an update on that in the very near future. For now, I hope you'll enjoy this episode with Dave Dombrow and Kevin Fallon, the brilliant minds behind Speedland. All right, we're good to go. All right. Gentlemen, Dave Dombrow, Kevin Fallon. Welcome to my podcast studio, guys. It's great to be here. Yeah, we're stoked. Happy New Year. And we're making a big announcement, aren't we? We are. How fun is this? Awesome. (laughs) After months of talking to each other, we finally get to uh, make things official on the podcast. We can talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we have a lot to talk about here. So obviously you guys are the proprietors, the uh, entrepreneurs behind Speedland, the newest, coolest footwear brand in the sport of trail running the sport that we all love, love dearly. And uh, we've got a story to tell, not only about, you know, where the company came from and all about the product, but our new super exciting partnership that is, uh, I think, going to surprise a lot of people, but also in a a cool way. Yeah, we're stoked. Yeah, cool. So anyway, welcome, guys. It's good to see you. I think uh, the best place to start is just uh, a little bit of background about your guys' experience in the industry. I know you guys are footwear professionals, <laughs> industry lifers, so to speak, and you're now venturing out on your own now, and we'll talk all about that. But let's start with a, a little bit of background, just career-wise to set things up. Maybe Dave, you go first. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I guess our background uh, kind of starts together, actually, in some ways, because uh, Kevin and I have worked together for 20-plus years. Uh at many different companies, starting uh, at Nike. Um, we both worked in Nike basketball. That's where we, we met, actually, way back when. And then uh, through the years, uh, we've kind of transitioned to different jobs, and we were at Puma together for a while, and then we were at uh, Under Armour together for a number of years. Um, myself more on the inline side, Kevin more on the innovation side. But we uh, worked together closely, and, uh, and then that's now led us to Speedland, uh, where – you know, obviously starting our own thing. So it's been a, it's been a journey for sure. <laughs> Kevin, tell us your story. Well, I, I came out of engineering school thinking I was going to design planes or cars or something along that line. And then, um, I realized I didn't actually like engineering that much <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I discovered product design, um, Rhode Island school of design shared a campus with Brown. So I was introduced to the world of product design and ah. fell in love with that. And, uh, went back to product design after engineering, and then out of out of design school, um, went right up to Nike. So that's uh, as Dave said, where we met. And um, I did soccer boots for a long time at Nike. I did basketball innovation for a chunk, and where I met Dave. But um, 
that kind of carried me into Puma where I moved to Germany um, to manage the uh. design team and do uh, soccer boots for Puma. And Dave was there in Boston. And so we learned to kind of work together across an ocean and coordinating design reviews and, and strategies and so on. So serendipitously uh, a good experience for us to kind of have had uh, working in that manner. And then we both came to Under Armour together. Really. I think it was a small Under Armour was really small in football. Yeah, seventy yeah. million dollars or something. When we like started, that. yeah, yeah. Um, and so we saw it as an opportunity. Was that intentional? Like, did you guys we did plan you coordinated that, one. that? That one was intentional. Yeah, the the, the one to Puma was not. Yeah, cool. <laughs> we had a good friend, Gavin Ivester, who was consulting for Under Armour, and he talked to both of us kind of separately, and in the spirit of you know keeping things separate at that time. And Dave yeah. and I figured out that we were both talking to Gavin about Under Armour the same time, but for different roles. Uh, and I think that gave us kind of confidence to go there yeah. because of how small it was and having a partnership across innovation in line was pretty important for both of us. So that kind of led us to that 10 year run at Under Armour, which was great for the vast majority of it. And then it was time to do something else. And uh, I think we both still love the industry, still love the business and the, and felt like we had more to offer and, yeah. and uh, our talks quickly led us to the outdoor space and trail running just seemed like the spot where, you know, the exciting things were, were happening, but the uh, technology applications were not yeah. the product. And and that's where we saw the white space and, and we just decided to go all in. Yes. <laughs> the white space and trail running. Another yes. thing we, we totally agree on. It's so crazy. You guys have worked together for 20 years. I have to share a funny thing with you guys because I just got off the phone with my wife who is in Marin County okay. with, Kim and Topher Gaylord, oh, our mutual people. friends, yes. your former colleague Topher at Under yeah. Armour. And uh, yeah, they're wearing their Under Armour trail running shoes, the pink ones, the coral colored ones that my wife is completely obsessed with. And okay. Topher's like, oh, that's a Dave Dobra shoe. And, uh, so anyway. Is my, that the fat tire? Yeah. Well, uh, I'm not sure which one yeah. exactly. I don't want yeah. <laughs> well, to. One of the shoes. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Um, it's funny because I just got off the phone and your name came up. So uh, well, yeah, they, they said great, their best. Great people. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. And that, you know, Topher's the one who sort of connected us as well. And he has nothing but glowing things to say about both you guys in terms of your skill sets and and your experience. And uh, it's so cool for me as somebody who's lived in this sport of trail running to see people see that white space also, because for Ryan and I, our producer who's sitting here in the studio with us, um, <laughs> that's what we've been obsessed with too for more than a year now. It's just like, there is opportunity here to do something new, cool, innovative, futuristic. And that's why I think we've got so much alignment, you guys on the product side and us on the media side. And we're very excited to talk all about the partnership that we've developed, but because I think it's novel and holistic and really cool. And, um, but first, yeah, I don't know, just to talk more about the industry side of stuff, I've sort of gone into a deep dive as I told you before we started recording on the industry a little bit and some of like the designers and um, some of the other sort of innovative things that are happening in the space. And you guys have lived it for so long, but now with the advent of like stock X and I guess I just didn't understand how big sneaker culture is and, um, yeah. and the, and the industry in general, is there any like 
comments, uh, like broad comments on the industry itself that you think is maybe misunderstood by the, by the general public, just about footwear in general and design? Well, I think, I mean, skeptics, I think will say it's all marketing and all the phones are the same and there's no technology, you know, and the, you know, yeah. buying down is smarter because it, you know, I pay more. And I think, I think that's been proven to be false. I mean, there's yeah. real technology and it's being applied in a way that really makes a difference in performance. So I think, you know, that can be one of those things where people can convince themselves not to buy up because they don't think there's a difference, mm -hmm. but there absolutely is. And that's, you know, part of what underlies why we want to do what we do. And instead of making shoes like commodity product, we want to really make a crafted, beautiful, high performance product. Yeah. And I, I guess I would say back to the white space and the trail comment is, the, I mean, there is some truth that most of the R and D in broader terms is put towards road running or um, maybe another category. Um, and, and that, you know, Unfortunately or fortunately, unfortunately in some, in our cases is, is because that's, you know, where the money is. Yeah. And so a lot of focus at, at big brands, I don't know if people understand uh, it, it always goes towards stuff like road running and then the, the innovations trickle to other categories and yeah. whatnot. And, and that makes a lot of sense when you understand that, but that's also why there's a lot of, um, let's say white space and trail in the trail world. Yeah. Awesome. So cool. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about your guys's sort of professional and personal relationship. Like how do your skill sets match up practically? Like who's taking care that's, of what, how do you guys work together? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I would say that we overlap, we overlap a lot on things, but if we had to like separate it, cause I, I do think about this a lot and I'm sure Kevin thinks about it a lot too. And um, I definitely would say that I'm more of a, I'm going to use a word I don't want to use, but I'm going to say a creative director, but also a stylist. Okay. Stylist is kind of a dicey word for me to use. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> puts me in a, puts me in a category, but I definitely would say that I'm kind of like, if I had to say, yeah, creative director, story, storyteller, stylist. And I would say Kevin in a really positive way, I would use the word problem solver. Okay. Um, and, um, and he can tack on other words, but, but that's a clear distinction. We're, we both, Kevin definitely gives style input. I definitely problem solve. So let's not put ourselves too sure. into boxes. Yeah. But if you really had to separate us, I would say that there is a pretty good delineation between those two things. What would you? Yeah, I think that part's been pretty easy for us. You know, Dave's done that creative direction and that stuff at a high level. And I was more on the innovation side where we, you know, we tell stories around a product or a technical solution. So it's easy for us when we get those kind of, you know, in the consulting side, if we get that type of job, Dave's going to probably carry more of that when it comes into maybe people or if we're looking for a new technical solution, then maybe I'll take more of the lead. But it's, again, there's a lot of crossover, so it's hard we're, to. Yeah, we're working on a job right now, actually, because we can get into this later, but yeah. part of our part of our business, we, we do a fair bit of consulting as yeah. well. And um you know, a lot of it is I'll take the storytelling and the creative direction lead, but Kevin will bring the uh, problem solving solution to it and then we'll integrate that. And so it's kind of like we holistically work together and we just kind of feed off each other. And, you know, the great part is the, the client doesn't honestly know where any of it comes of course, from. Of course, yeah. Because it's, it's just coming from Speedland and from us together. But we know who's feeding and what and how it works and how we can 
actually at the end of the day, give the client the best solution. So yeah, it's pretty, pretty good. What about like the entrepreneurship side? Like, yeah, I was going to say that's the yeah. interesting stuff. Cause the, how, we know how to do all that stuff, <laughs> Yeah, but then there's been a host of stuff that's been new, Yeah, you know? So how do we figure out Shopify? Yeah. Instance, yeah. You know, and I'd say Dave's probably taken more of the lead on, on that stuff. Some of it just out of the shoes are in his garage. So yeah. <laughs> it's a little easier for him. But when we did the big shipment initially, obviously we were both there and, you know, so taping boxes and fulfilling orders is yeah. new for us. I mean, we understand the concept obviously, but we haven't done that level of going in and the website design is similar stuff. You know? yeah. New for us. We had help. We hired a great group to help us, but um, then you manage it. After. Yeah. So you just get through it. that. Out, yeah, you know. right. Yeah, you just kind of figure it out. And I'm sure Ryan is nodding his head over there right <laughs> yeah. now. You probably feel the exact same way. You don't know what's yeah. going to come up or what challenge you face, and you just know. I think that's probably the the easy thing for both of us is we know that each of us are going to figure it out. Like, yeah, you know, one of us is going to take the lead, or we'll both dive in. We just know it'll get done. We we had a we had a well it wasn't us but uh, Under Armour had a saying actually going back to that it was called done done and done. It's basically, it's just like this, this affirmation that you're just going to get it done and it's not done until it's really done. Uh And I feel like that's kind of for entrepreneurship, the same thing. It's like, you just kind of have to get it done Yeah, and you're just going to, it's not done until it's done until it's really done. Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of how I feel like every day, honestly, with this, this ride is like, yeah, just We'll plug away. We'll get it done. We yeah. don't know everything. We You're not pre- too proud to do not, the tedious pre- stuff. We yeah, will do you pack it all. We'll do it all. We'll do it all in boxes. Yeah. We do it all. And know? that's the attitude that, you yeah. know, certainly I, I resonate with as well. And I'm, you know, Ryan and I are sort of in the same boat, sort of learning the yeah. the business side of things at the same time. We're also kind of a small team. And yeah, yeah again, I think just, uh, I think of, there's a, a bit of a power, right. in and being a little naive, right. As yeah. well. Like, if you know everything, it's such a good point, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, this is something I talk about all the time specific to running, you know, because a lot of the times people will say, oh, it's their hundred mile debut or they've never done this distance before. But oftentimes that can be a strength that can be an advantage because you don't necessarily yeah. know what the, you know, the, the strategy is, or you don't necessarily know how hard it's going to be. So that's not weighing on yeah. you as, as, as much. So we, we had another quote. I mean, this is again, up a lot of Under Armour stuff. <laughs> we had another quote that I used to say to a lot of people, and um, it's one of my favorite ones that I don't even know if they say it at UA anymore, but it was smart enough to be naive enough to not know what we can't accomplish. Yeah, I love it. It's a it's a mouthful for <laughs> yes, sure, yeah. but it's a, it's like when you really break it down, smart enough to be naive enough. It's like yes, yeah. <laughs> I would say the partnership part is important too. It was a piece of advice that we got going into this, and like. Going at it solo is very different yeah. than having somebody like talking you off the ledge or like it's going to be okay, you yeah. know. And you need that, I think, and and having an overlap but not the same overlap, <laughs> you know, being able to cover certain things you both can do if you need to, but also be able to you know share the yeah. distribute the the work. Yeah. Well, I'm um, I'm pointing so, at our yeah our faithful producer yes. Ryan over there, and <laughs> our skill sets couldn't be more different, I think, but together we make a really really done. powerful team, yeah. and yeah, we get it done, and we're not too proud to do 
the silly, tedious stuff. I think it's either. finding that balance, yeah. right? Like You're having smart two enough is to a be naive number. enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my, my wife, Harmony, we should shout her out too. Cause she gives us a, a ton of help too. Well, She's, the families are important. You got to have people no behind doubt. you supporting. That's part of the team no for yeah, sure. Definitely part of team Speedland. So, um, <laughs> let's go back to this concept of there being a massive white space and trail running right now. And I think, as I mentioned before, this is a, spot where our visions really overlap and that there's an opportunity right now, potentially like a once in a lifetime opportunity in trail running to create cool businesses and help push the sport into the future. Again, you guys are doing that very well with Speedland on the product side. We feel like we're onto something on the media side with a similar feeling, but of all the sporting verticals and you guys have had experience in basketball and soccer and road running, what, uh, what specifically did you see in trail running that got you excited? Well, I think there's a few things. I mean, let, maybe I'll touch on the equipment part first because I think we should touch on the culture part in a second. But yeah. the equipment part is uh, both Kevin and I, um, you know, we, we love the outdoors in general, even beyond trail running, right? So mountain biking and skiing and these these other endeavors that we're, we're doing as well, we just we see that as equipment. And um, just thought to ourselves on a very macro level, like why isn't that equipment approach um, being brought to trail running? Um, we talk a lot about it, uh, about how the, how the athletes are doing these amazing things. You know, you go to, go to any ultra race and you're just like, wow, this is, you know, something extraordinary going on. They need the best of the best. And we're like, is there a brand that's bringing that and not compromising? And that's really on a very, basic level where Speedland started this no compromise approach. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the edge of human performance is one of the things that makes trail so interesting. Yeah. Distances get longer, the times get shorter, the courses get harder and you see it up close and you're like, this is no joke. You experienced it yeah. this summer, right? I mean, it's like craziness and, and to not have that level of performance, you see people get fitted for cycling shoes and spending hours. Same with ski boots yeah. and skates for hockey. Same thing. Why isn't there that level of detail being paid to trail shoes when you're spending so much time in these shoes? Not just the race, yeah. but the training to get there. Mm -hmm. And so we just we just saw that, that that was the way we break things down. How do you get better fit? How do you get better traction? How do you get better cushion protection? And then how do we put that all together in a way that an athlete like yourself can verify actually works better? Mm-hmm. So the, the vision from the beginning was making no compromises, no compromises, no sacrifices in service of keeping the, you know, the price down. It was all about just hyper performance. And we never looked at price. Yeah. Okay. And like, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. I think it's uh, an inspiring thing. It's like totally flips the model on its head where typically you have a price point that the shoe has to hit on the market because you're satisfying wholesale orders and things like that. And you guys as a small, nimble, direct-to-consumer company didn't have to start from that number, right? You could just start with the philosophy, the vision yeah, of simple, performance. Simple vision. There's a power in simplicity, I yeah. think. And just the idea of like, yeah, we're going to make the best of the best. Um, and of course, that best of the best can can vary depending on the terrain, the distance. And there's a lot of different factors as you know, but um, the, from a very you know, macro point of view, that was really how it started. 
What about the culture, cultural side of things you said? Well, so the, the culture side, I think, is another really interesting uh, white space opportunity regarding trail, right? I mean, we, we saw it in other places, um, especially cycling, you know, with brands like Rafa and what they managed to do over the, the last you know, 10 years or so. And so we're like, why isn't that same kind of philosophy where people can congregate, be part of a tribe um, and really be part of everything that's going on in the trail world from the product to just hanging out to um, training to recovery to everything um, and, and bring that all together. And, and we saw Rafa doing it really well um, in the cycling world. And we're like, there's, there's space to do this in the trail world yeah. and nobody is doing it. Yeah. You know? So we're like, okay, could Speedland be part of that um, movement? I guess you could, you could call it even. Yeah. And just, yeah, going core to trail running specifically, you know, at least to start, that was the sport that you guys identified. And I think for just trends in the industry, having that stance of hyper-performance and for a single specific sport, at least to start, is a powerful thing also, just to resonate with the culture and with the community of like, we are committed to this sport in particular. I mean, that's part of what we've talked about a lot too, is like, and we could probably build a bigger business if we were trying to bring in more people who are coming from traditional road and and track racing, but we're very core specific to trail. I just think there's something about trail and everybody has different um, experiences and different philosophies, I guess, but there's a, there is some sort of joy about trail running and you just feel it. And whether it's the actual flow of when you're running out there or whether it's just the joy of being out in nature, but there is a joy of trail running that, I mean, for me, it's at different. least it's, it's different. Yeah. <laughs> so where does the name come from? Who came up with that? What was the thought behind that? Speed I, mean, I think it was probably Dave. We bounced around ideas, but it's really one of those things, again, being really simple, Yeah. you know, that we want to talk about making fast product and land is just sort of has this like this kind of triple, place. triple meaning. It was yeah. like, it sounds like a destination. It's a little bit of a play on Portland. Yeah. And it, you know, it just felt like kind of that right mix. Yeah. We tried a bunch of different things, but at the end of the day, it's a hard simple. thing to figure out. So I like it. Yeah. yeah. I like it just it. kept coming back to it. You know, yeah. we had it and we're like, yeah, that's a good name. And you know, we have other names and you just kept coming back to it. Like that must be the name. It's crazy. <laughs> you know, we, uh, I thought about free trail back in like April, I think it was maybe even earlier than that. And even like did the whole trademark database search and, and then we sort of like moved on to all these other things. And then Ryan just started messing around with the logos and just like, you know, came up with something. And as soon as we saw it, we're like, that's That's it. it. Yeah. That's it. So it's pretty cool. It's gotta be. It's that (laughs) that blink moment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to this, concept of entrepreneurship obviously you guys spent a lot of time working for big brands and probably at this point in your career you could have easily sort of stayed in high paying comfortable positions for these big brands and starting your own company particularly one that's self-funded and that's another thing i want to talk about this seems fairly risky for guys in your position and with your experience in the industry what was it that made you guys comfortable taking that risk? Well, on my side, I mean, I, I, I just have this philosophy that you just got to keep, you got to keep growing, mm-hmm. you know? And I, and anytime I felt like stagnant or I was going to not grow within the, 
the career choice or the job that I was doing, I knew something was wrong. And, you know, like I said, we had worked at a number of big brands. So for me, it felt like kind of in some ways the only choice. <laughs> and then this combination of we really wanted to do this, this equipment and this no compromise approach. And I, I didn't feel like we could do that at a big brand. I didn't feel like a big brand would be receptive to want to do that. Um, yeah, I agree. I think that the end of the road in corporate was kind of obvious. It was just not didn't want to go to another company, run into the same brick walls again and, uh, or be you know doing the same thing over and over. Um, and so it kind of came to the point of what would be next. My first intuition wasn't necessarily to start a footwear brand. That was, I think Dave pushed a little bit on that. I knew I wanted to get out and try something else and an entrepreneurship type of thing seems risky on the one hand and it, it is. Um, but at the same time, as a parent, too, my dad started a business when I was 10. And it was, while I didn't go into that business, it was still significant to me to yeah. see it and be around it and, I guess, absorb that sort of mentality. And so it was an opportunity for me to do the same for my son, who's the same age I was. Ah, cool. He was 10 then. He's 12 now. But so it was kind of that, I don't know, serendipity again, to use that word of like, okay, we, you know, we started bouncing an idea around. We landed on trail pretty quick. And that was that's exciting. Now, how do we actually put it together and make it happen? So um, it was a leap of faith at the end of the day. You can make a business plan. You can run numbers all day, but we had no idea. You know, this, <laughs> yeah. this was a new business model. This idea of a high, super premium, you know, almost $400 shoe. We didn't, we had yeah. no comparison. And so at the end of the day, I think it was just that let's, we, we, we saw it as a neat opportunity and we had to, Dave, any other reflections on the entrepreneurial side of things? I mean, from your perspective as somebody who, you know, has had these big jobs in the industry, was there anything about working in the big brand environment that you felt you'd outgrown? Um, well, it, it becomes very, um, I want to say this in discouraging, but, but it does become eventually after you've been in a the amount of years we've been in, it becomes very repetitive uh, and methodical. Right. Yeah. And in some ways that's great because you're repeating a process and you're making these incremental changes as seasons go on, you know, season after season. Um, but that's also the, the hard part um, when you want to really break out and do something different. It's like, yeah, but they just want those small repetitive changes, small, you know, methodical changes. So you know, that, that was, that was hard. And I think that is the exact opposite of Speedland, right? Yeah. Where, yeah, where we tipped everything sideways and did it differently on purpose. And, you know, that, that did, um, require a change from that. So, you know, that would be my biggest thing. And, you know, the other thing I would say is like being at the big brands though on the positive, uh, was I did see the brands go through different evolutions and it did was able to work with a lot of great CEOs or, or see a lot of great executives and learn from them, you know, and there were, they were very entrepreneurial as well. Yeah. And, and they went through different um, evolutions of being entrepreneurial. So being able to witness that, uh, you know, and have a, a front row seat of that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. And I think also a place where we overlap and that, you know, I've been a pro athlete for a long time running for big brands and always wanted to be more involved, always wanted to have a bigger impact. Has it been invigorating for you guys to, I mean, I'm sure it's filled with challenges every day as it is for Ryan and I, as we trying to build, try to build something too. Are you feeling a deep sense of 
uh, being energized and fulfillment oh, yeah. in this yeah. project. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting. I wanted to add on to that big brand thing because you get so far away from the athletes and it gets so difficult to get close to them. Yeah. No matter, I mean, almost no matter where you are within the company, you know, and that's just one of those invigorating things. Like we're, we'll get them from you. We'll get texts, you yeah. know, saying, hey, this is working or I love this or I don't. And that's what we want. You know, that's what this brand is about. Not just us creating, you know, a shoe to shock people. It's really putting it together to make sure that the athletes are getting the best solutions they can and coming from their mouths. So I just referenced this a second ago, but you guys have sort of self-funded this operation, which we have too, but it's a whole different ballgame. We're not trying to develop footwear. (laughs) And it feels like a potentially, you know, contrarian uh, model to use and also compounds the risk, right. Of leaving these cushy corporate jobs to pursue this thing without the support of venture funding, mm-hmm. which I would guess 99% of footwear startups do. What made you choose to go that path? Well, we wanted to do it on our own terms the way we wanted to do it. And we already knew from the start that our business model was contrarian to everybody else. So right there, we already knew that that was going to be kind of a, uh, in maybe a hard pitch to a lot of people because it's like, well, it's never been done. So if we want to do it our own way, then if we self-fund it, we can grow it organically, grow it the right way. You know, I, I think honestly, right. Businesses today, I'm reading WeWork's book right now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just gonna. <laughs> so I'm influenced by that. But yeah. you know, a lot of these businesses today, uh, especially high growth, they they grow off debt. You yeah. know, and um, I think you. It becomes it becomes something else, and you and you you want to believe in businesses that actually don't have debt. Yeah. And all businesses. That's the whole I don't point. Know people of know me. this. Like all <laughs> businesses, a lot of businesses, most public companies have a lot of debt. Yeah. And they run their businesses off debt, and that's fine because they're growing. But you know, we didn't want to have debt. We wanted to grow it honestly, make an honest company that makes an honest profit, an honest revenue, but does it in an honest way and um, sustainable way. And I think you know the. the what's happened with the VC culture and all this stuff is these businesses are built off debt and you actually don't actually know what, what's actually going on. <laughs> right. So, you know, I know this, we're not going to dive too heavily into uh, business right now, but, but I feel like that was a big, a big thing with us where when you say the same that, yes, we didn't want to give up the control essentially yeah. or have somebody have expectations of certain growth because we wanted to be able to grow it authentically as we were just talking yeah. about, like, having athletes talk about the product and that word of mouth spread in this culturally is much more significant to us than reaching a certain milestone on sales. And we don't want to make false promises. Yeah, like, right. That's the thing. Like, like we're honest people, I think. Yeah. And we want to make a really great, good company that makes great product. But isn't it much harder? Don't you think? I mean, there has to be some extra challenges when you're not only dealing with the stress of trying to start a business, but you're also using your hard-earned savings to well, I th- get I think make it something. We also want to say we're we're not opposed to taking money at yeah. some point, right? But what we've heard consistently is it'd be much better to take money for growing a business than, than starting, starting a, a business. business. Okay, and 
so I think we wanted to prove one that the product was there at the excellence that we say it is. And we feel like we're at that level. Now we have to prove that, you know, it's a viable business. There's enough people who want this damn yeah, product. I guess I would say for anybody that's listening, founders that put their own money on the table, it means a lot more. They're all in. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. all in than founders that use somebody else's money. Yeah. And there's a big difference between the two. Like why we're packing boxes, why we're doing everything we have to do because we actually have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to go hire somebody else to do and it. And we want to do it. You know, we want to drive the van to Western States and we want to, yes. we want to be there, you know, in that manner because that's who we are. We're not, you know, that's what we, you know, it's important to us to kind of yeah. be there and, and be immersed in it and not feel like, you know, I, I think you're either all in or, or you're not. There's and, only one way to be. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think we're both all that in. way. And, and so that was important. And, you know, when, it, if we get to that point where we want to scale, then we'll talk to somebody yeah. and we'll give up a much smaller portion of our yeah. share, I think at that point. And so, you know, that's better for us yeah. and better for the but team. Even when that happens, we're still going to be all in. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, but we'll have built it up to that. Point, sure. You know? so, so more about sort of the origin story. After you guys left Under Armour, you probably had to serve a non-compete, right? We did. So One year. maybe give us a glimpse into what you guys did during that time that you know allowed you to roll the product out in 2021. Speed or I mean, hack. Speed hack. You, speed want, hack. you want to describe speed hack for everybody? Well, we wanted to still do something <laughs> yeah. during that year off, you know, and we wanted to do it within footwear. And I think honestly, we were thinking about what we might do and it was important for us to get a little out of our comfort zone. I'll say that was part of it and doing a YouTube show or like getting our face out there was certainly that getting out of yeah. our comfort zone, but it was also going to be a way to connect, connect with the footwork community. I think that's what we were hoping for is to, you know, have some fun, tear apart some shoes, see if we could make them faster. That was our premise, you know, make better shoes in yeah. your workshop. Um, take a little bit of the, you know, fear factor or, you know, kind of this, preciousness of yeah. shoes away and experiment a little. And we actually wound up learning a ton, you know, it was really fun for us and, you know, uh, finding out what we could do in the workshop and experimenting with some crazy ideas that we you know, never would have done and getting hands on again. It's easy to kind of get away from getting in the workshop when you're in an executive job day after day. So it was, it was just good on all those levels. So that's, that's kind of what's also fun before. to try everybody's shoes too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, we had a good excuse to buy pretty, pretty much every shoe yeah. on the market at some point, you know, road and trail. So. Did it help you with the creative process of making the Speedland, the SLPDX shoe? I mean, in, in crafting the vision. Yeah. yeah. hundred, hundred. Because it changed the process. Yeah. Like in a, in a, company in a big brand you're going to get a brief and you're immediately going to jump in a sketching yeah. and you probably know what last it's on and it's you've just got everything kind of laid out and for us we were coming from tearing apart shoes and all of a sudden we're like let's let's make this yeah let's make a model of what we want and i don't think that's where we would have started if we hadn't done some yeah. hack. so just diving right into a physical model gluing things together taking pieces of whatever it was it landed us in a very different place than we would have, I think, if we so in a traditional way. Very different process than how anybody works yeah. in the industry, at least. So let's let's knowledge. talk about that. So again, we sort of touched on this in the beginning of our conversation about how you've sort of flipped the T 
typical model on its head where you're told how much the shoe probably needs to retail for and then kind of work backwards from there to right. some extent. You guys know better yep. than I. So I guess just explain to the listening audience who's probably not experts on product development and the footwear industry specifically, how your approach is so much so radically different. Well, just like when you get a when you work at a, a big company or even a smaller company, you usually get a brief. The brief's going to have the um, what the what characteristics the shoe needs to have, but it also is going to have the FOB, um, which is basically the cost that you have to hit. Yeah, and so that that's a starting point for a designer, and a designer will take that away and and as Kevin said, sketch, um, and you know, and then it's based off a season, so it's either a fall winter season or it's a spring summer season, um, and basically everything I just said, we threw out the window. Yeah, like we don't look at stuff within seasons. We just, as far as a brief goes, we're just going to make, we're going to, what we're going to do is make commissions basically. And the, the way the idea of the commission um, is an athlete, the region of the country or the terrain. Um, and that's going to help coalesce what the idea of the actual product is. Yeah. So it's everything we do is athlete centric. Basically it's all centered around the athlete, athlete insights um, and then that helps us create the product. Another thing I'm excited about. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Athletes. <laughs> based on based on where that athlete is located or, or what they need. So it's a very different approach. It's a seasonless approach. Um, and uh, Where did you get this idea? Because this is also totally novel. And, and maybe talk also about the fact that you've started with 1,200 pairs. And I think that's going to be something that you might apply going forward. And obviously that could probably change in the future as well, but right. talk about that stuff too. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the commission, commission thing is, yeah, yeah, the commission thing is, is very different. And we borrowed that term from singer Porsche. It's a, it's a shop in Southern California that reimagines the Porsche 911. Uh, it's at the highest level of everything they do. And everyone is built for a specific person in a particular place and they call it a commission. So, can go on their website and see no the Monaco way. Commission. The, so yeah. if you're really into them, like when we talk, you, <laughs> cool. you can be like, "Yeah, did you see the Monaco Commission?" And we get, in our head, we we go right to an image of what that is. Yeah. Or the Hong Kong Commission. Oh yeah. That yeah, one. yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And so each one's like super special, really individualized. We're not Scarce. at that. It's like level. a one of one, right? And, yeah. yeah. Yes. It, and and we're kind of in the footwear world at that level. Yeah. You know, or that's what we're trying to do. You could never do. apply uh, we're not that at a, model. Yeah, we can't do the one-offs yet. Um, but that idea of a smaller group of product that's created, that's very special and limited. Yeah. And when they're gone, they're gone. It's kind of an interesting spot right now because this is our first commission, our launch commission. Yeah. And I think that idea... People aren't thinking that way. I don't think they realize like when those are gone, they're gone, they're gone. and then we keep getting on to the next sorry, one. We keep getting the question right because we're 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 we're, when out of the some, we're sold out of some back. sizes, yeah. right? And so we're starting to get the questions every day now. When are you restocking the thirteens? We're like we're not restocking the thirteens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the next commission the next will commission. have thirteens. Yeah. Right. You know, but that also presents an opportunity to bring it back. You know, in the so future, cool. point. becomes almost a collector's item. Exactly. Yeah. The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by Gnarly Nutrition. Gnarly is an awesome sports nutrition company based in Utah that specifically focuses on us, the outdoor and mountain sport athletes of the world, and OMG are their products amazing. I've been using the Fuel 2.0 drink mix for the past six months and have been blown away by the product for long runs, workouts, 
and race fueling, the cherry cola flavor of the Fuel 2.0 mix is especially delicious. You'll never have to resort to Coca-Cola with this magical elixir in your bottles. And that is just one product amid an insanely robust collection and nearly all their products are NSF certified for sport. It's an incredibly valuable investment that they've made to enhance their brand's product and their brand's reputation, something I certainly very much value as an athlete. Go check out Gnarly. The whole product offering is at gonarly.com. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off your order. gonarly.com, FREETRAIL15. The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by the Free Trail mobile app. Come for the training, stay for the community. Free Trail, of course, was the first mobile app made specifically for trail runners with a ton of resources to help you approach our great sport with a little bit more knowledge and support along the way. I just put up a six-week off-season training plan, which is great for this time of the year, the same sort of training that I'm gonna be doing over the next six weeks. So come check it out. Membership is only $120 a year, the equivalent of $10 a month. And that includes access to our weekly Zoom calls and other perks to be rolled out in the near future. The subscribers that make up our community also make our whole business operational and we appreciate them so, so much. So please go visit freetrail.com. Hit the button that says download the app and come celebrate trail culture with our great community. You just made me want to ask something else. I mean, you mentioned Springer Porsche. Is that what it was? Singer. Singer Porsche. Yeah. What uh, other sort of inspirations, maybe outside the world of, of running, helped you sort of evolve the concept of Speedland? Because I think this is something that is very interesting and you two as creative people and designers and, you know, sort of, uh, product people at your core who are trying to solve problems, probably look to other industries to find some inspiration to bring into your brand. Is there anything else aside from Singer really brought it to us from that idea of making a limited number of very special products. And that idea of a commission we felt was a chance for us to show off how we could customize the product. We can say, okay, for this region, we're going to do this with the product. In this region, we're going to trim the lugs this way and do this with the plate. So to kind of bring the product to life in that way is something completely different. So um, let's see, I lost my train of thought. Any other inspirations? Oh, other inspirations, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's hard for us to you know, narrow that down because we look at cars all the time. From a business model, I think we looked at like what Ferrari does. We use that reference in terms of, they're not making lower end product and taking advantage of high volume to make some special stuff. They just make special stuff. Yeah. And it's in demand and they're profitable. McLaren is similar. So I think we look at those from a business perspective. So you guys are both car guys too. Huh? We're both car guys. Yeah, I'd say that. <laughs> yeah. But equipment, you know, the same thing. Like we're, yeah. I look at bikes all the time. Yeah. You know, really inspired by the technologies that are applied there mm-hmm. and the mountain bike space in particular. And that, that brought a lot into what we did with Speed Hack because we were hacking the tires and looking for the right traction. Yeah. That kind of led us to discover the cuttable lugs from Michelin. Yeah. The mountain bike tire application. So th- that kind of crossover, I think, all the time. We're looking, I look at airplanes quite frequently still. Yeah. Um, 
aesthetic and the form and function going together is really inspirational. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing the same thing now on the media side. I've been just going down so many rabbit holes of different media companies from different right. sports and from outside of sports to try and come up with ideas or to ease my mind about certain challenges or to think about how to expand the business yeah. and find different streams of revenue and things like that. So I think it's really important and probably something that you guys didn't think about all that much until you sort of were forced into this sort of scrappy, creative psychological mode that is entrepreneurship a little bit. Yeah. I would say too, on the product side, a lot of like the best solutions are like when you're looking at other industries and mm -hmm. you're like cross-referencing um, like the, the Michelin, the cuttable lugs, right? Yeah. That came straight from mountain bike tires yeah. that Michelin had. And so we were looking at mountain bike tires, not necessarily for cuttable lugs. We were just looking at mountain bike tires for inspiration. inspiration. And then all of a sudden we're like, well, what are those? And like cuttable, well, they're tuning those for downhill races. Well, why has nobody ever tuned the traction of running shoes before? You know? So it's just like a simple question. And then you're like, it oh. is novel though. Yeah. And they're and like, it, well, let's do it. Right. You know, like, and it's like that simple. And like, so it's, it's, but if we hadn't been looking at mountain bike tires, we wouldn't have, have made that, that connection. And yeah. that's, that's honestly how it happens quite often when you're just looking at other things, you're not really trying to make the connection. You're just looking at stuff and then it just happens. You're like, ah, okay. It's about yeah. being curious. You know, we're just trying to keep our eyes open for yeah. any of that stuff that, yeah. that, you know, we can apply in this space. Yeah. So let's address the elephant in the room. Kevin, you just used the word equipment. The SLPDX is $375, the most expensive trail shoe ever produced. I'm confident. Running shoe. Maybe the most somebody expensive else call it. Really? Yeah, I was like, wow. well, I guess that might be true. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously, as we've talked about, you are positioning this as a hyper-performance product, and it absolutely is a hyper-performance product as somebody who's had a few pairs myself. But... You, you just you just use the word equipment, and one of the things that I think is brilliant that you guys are doing is sort of positioning it as equipment rather than just footwear. Do you want to uh, expand on that concept for the audience? Sure. Yeah, we we uh, in our own lives, and we are inspired by equipment constantly, yeah. and so we're always looking for that level that qualifies as equipment. You know, and I think in footwear, that's a new one. Like, what what do you mean by equipment, or what what do you? And and I think for us, it's one the the ability to tune that shoe for your performance. So taking the plate out, putting it back in. Which is so awesome. Run, which is, so, you know, so novel, awesome. something different. Yeah. And I'm glad you're enjoying that. And then I think a few of our athletes are based on the terrain, based on the type of run you're doing that day, take it out. And the plate, and the plate, talk about the plate itself. I mean, and then the carbon itself isn't like a typical carbon. It's an asymmetric formula, patented formula from Carbotex that, and the way we're constructing it with no glue, it's not glued to the midsole, allows that asymmetry to really work well. Yeah. So as you're going over rocks, it, it can bend over those rocks pretty easily. It bends. Form, and as then opposed when, to being rigid and levering you. And then when you're ready for toe off, there's a lot of energy there when you need it or when you're going fast enough to use it. So that is an example of that. I don't know. We think problem solving down to that level is what you find in equipment. Yeah. And I mean, I think the whole plate thing in the SLPDX is my favorite feature of the shoe. Huh. The fact that it's removable almost makes it feel like it's two shoes in one. And I think I've mentioned this to you guys, but 
my preference in footwear is usually sort of softer or more flexible mm -hmm. footwear. And so it's really nice to be able to just take the plate out and go running in the SLPDX. And then on a day when I might be doing a workout or might be doing something more up tempo, right. put the plate back in. And then when you hit the gas, you can really feel it. And the two running experiences, both using the shoe with the plate and without are totally different, but also totally enjoyable in their own, own ways. And so I think just uh, an important thing to emphasize and yeah, I'm sure well, that's great feedback. I mean, that's, that's, what's important to us is to hear that from yeah. runners at your level. Yeah. And that's, and we have that's how we land yeah. on this equipment thing. I mean, we're, we're not doing it to be cute or just as a marketing campaign. I and mean, that's how we think about it. And, you know, when we hear it reflected back to us that it's used that way, it's, it's a good validation that it's working. Um, and I think, you know, we understand it's a lot of money. It's not a small amount to pay for a pair of shoes and it's probably not for everybody, Yeah. but, um, for people who are looking for that kind of Goldilocks shoe we've heard, um, you know, it, it might be a good experience. Yeah. And for us, it's not that much a stretch to coming from, you know, cycling background, uh, cycling shoes. We always, I think we always looked at those as equipment as well. Yeah. And there was a tunability about, um, even when you're in the shop getting, almost fit for them, changing out the arch, doing different mm -hmm. things. And a lot of the cycling, you know, we have a double BOA LI2 on the shoe. Yeah. You know, that really is direct from cycling yeah. where, where BOA, especially the LI2 that we use is a, um, you know, a standard, a higher level, a higher level product and yeah. a standard thing that you see there. So. so, so talk about that a little bit. I mean, we've touched on the cuttable lugs. We've touched on the removable plate. The BOAs are obviously a, another place where you did not make any, compromises, right? It would have been That's easy right. to lower the price right. and make a compromise there. Talk about the BOA and any other sort of features of the shoe that you think are relevant. Well, for us, I mean, I think out of all the, all the features fit has really been something uh, throughout our career that, um, we've just held. It's almost like underrated. Dude, you guys nailed it. Yeah, the fit is like the best fit of any shoe so, of all time. So we have definitely obsessed about fit and we feel that fit, you know, if it fits better, you're going to be more efficient and you're going to have a lot, a lot better, uh, you know, uh, everything's going to be better because of that. Yeah. And so we obsessed on that and we felt that, you know, coming again from the cycling side that the BOA LI2 was really giving you that great fit. That was part of the system. Um, and obviously how you do the straps and, and different things matter as well. But these, these dials and the two way that they could be locked in one way and then you could reverse it and you could slightly tweak it if you, you know, going up or down a hill accordingly. So, you know, for us, the, the, the dual dials was, was key because that gave you the zonal fit that you didn't really see um, going on everywhere else. And that was asked for and, and appreciated that ability to tighten and loosen on the fly in different parts of the shoe hadn't been offered. And I think we're hearing like, we like this and yeah. it's not being used the same way with every athlete either. Yeah. You know, it's really, there's a lot of personal preference in that. And I think the athletes haven't had that and, and are enjoying that. And, and, you know, it's not expensive. It's not inexpensive to offer that. It's very right? expensive. And, isn't and, it? Yeah. and then we get to the midsole, which is a new P backs formula. Yeah. You know, so it's another key element. And I say that now because if, you know, it's fit is underfoot as well. Yeah. You know, I think the over part of the, you know, fit is important for sure, but what's underneath your foot and putting all that P-backs right underneath the foot and that specific formula is also another part of, 
you know, what makes the shoe special. There's a lot of wrap to it too. So you're, you're stable, yeah. you're sitting in it, you're not sitting on top of it. So, then, so talk about the drop-in midsole too, because, and we'll do a separate, decision, yeah. we'll do a separate <laughs> YouTube video that does a little deep dive into the product. And so people can see the visual a little bit better. But sure. when you look at the SLPDX, it doesn't look like a traditional running shoe where you can see the exposed right. midsole. Right. And as you said, the midsole that is inside the upper sort of uh, drop-in midsole, as you describe it, is this PBAX material, which is super, super high quality. And for me, as somebody who has been running in the shoe for several months now, you can clearly feel the difference between that foam and a traditional foam used in, in trail running shoes. Sure. So talk about the design and then mm -hmm. what's important about the PBAX material. Sure. We can start with the design. I think, you know, we started with end of life in mind as we put the shoe together. And, and so one of the things that we thought we could gain an advantage to both from a performance and end of life was with this modern cupsole, I'll call it. So having a high sidewall of rubber, but making sure that rubber was really thin, like the sidewall of a mountain bike tire, not, you know, two and a half millimeters of the heavy stuff, yeah. but a real thin layer reinforced by the fabric. And it, it really allowed that whole thing to, you know, be a chassis for us. And we could stitch now to the upper. Initially, um, we didn't want to use any glue at all. We did have to use a little bit to get the performance, but much mm -hmm. less than a standard shoe. There's a, the and lower... that's for an end of life application. Yeah, the like idea was considering... we could take the stitch off. We could take the outsole off, separate the components. We still have an idea that maybe we could resole them too. Yeah. That's something. And so all this you know, stitching construction was really driven by one, making it super durable. So it never comes apart for anybody on the trail ever. And secondly, so we can take it apart at the end of life when we yeah. want to and get the components in their right recycled streams. That's so I great. don't know if we said the stitch was Dyneema. Yeah. Well, that, th which is another like choice. What, the strongest, most yes. yeah, one of durable, the strongest materials known to man. And it's super abrasion resistant. Isn't it like a natural material too, or something like that? It's, I don't know enough about it. It's a, it's not a highly engineered polymer. It's just a lot to do with the pressure that it gets put under when it's manufactured. Yeah. It it's so strong. So it's, but anyway, those, those kind of considerations, all of which, you know, we feel like made a great shoe, Yeah. but come, come at a price, you know, and like Dave said, when you compare it to cycling shoes or skates or something else, it's, it's not expensive. Even a fashion, <laughs> but, even a pair of fashion shoes, right? You can right. easily get over $500 for a yeah. sneaker. Well, and, and so on StockX or for, you know, rare Jordans, people are spending thousands, thousands of dollars. Right? So this has been fascinating for me to learn about. It's like right. the, how deep sneaker culture is and what a huge economy it is that goes into footwear. Yeah. And we don't compete on that side. That's yeah. its own thing. But it does tell you that it's people all care. about relative value yeah. for that person. Yeah. So, but of course, trail running is a grassroots sport at, at its core. And this is the most expensive shoe that's ever been created, not just trail shoe. Of course, there's a reason behind that. It's not like you just set out to create the most expensive thing. You set out with the philosophy, we want to make the greatest possible product that we can. But I'm sure you've gotten heat or criticism for the price point, especially to sport that is smaller, less mature, and where it does have this sort of like grassroots vibe to it. What do you say to those people who sort of maybe criticize 
you know, the price point in particular? Well, I mean, I think we say a few things. One, we say it costs what it costs because it actually costs that much for us to make it. Like yeah. that's the reality. When you partner with the best, the best people around the world and you combine and aggregate those together and produce in small volumes, produce in small yeah. volumes, it costs what it costs. So that, that is what it is. But um, we also say, you know, you can get a great trail running experience out of a lot of different shoes. Yeah. And we, we don't try to change that narrative in any way. And we say there's, there could be a great $100 shoe for you out there. Yeah. There could be a great $150 shoe for out there. What we're doing is a little different. And we're giving a little different proposition to the runner. And it's not for everybody. And we don't say it's for everybody. Yeah. But it could very well be for a lot of people that want that equipment experience. And, and we're not a that's we're very honest and and that's kind of it is what it is and i think that's how it should be not everything you know yeah. has to be um well, you got to stand for something right yeah, yeah. that's that's exactly. the key thing yeah. if we couldn't come into the space and go up against a hundred dollar product i mean yeah. we, we wouldn't differentiate ourselves and we wouldn't bring anything new yeah it's so. a yeah it's something that we learned the hard way too just sort of like with our training app, right? The whole initial vision was like, oh, it's going to be running yoga and meditation. And it was just became very clear, like, no, like this is the sport mm -hmm. we care about. This is the what we know about. This is the community that we want to serve. And we need to stand for that, right? We don't need to try and be something for right. everybody. So great, I think great brands have really strong point of views, yeah. right? And when the great brands start to lose their way, their strong point of view has lost their way as well. <laughs> I think we can both point to examples like that. <laughs> Perhaps, you know, I think we, we got that. It. That was more advice that we yeah. got going through this startup too, was, you know, start niche. Yeah. If you try to do something that's too broad, you just You're not don't, gonna resonate. You don't attract the people. Yeah. So we've talked about the SLPDX. That's the shoe model that you can find on runspeedland.com. Beautiful, beautiful shoe. Uh, you guys have given me a sneak peek of other things coming down the pipeline. What can you share with the audience about the future of Speedland on a product side? Well, maybe we maybe we talk about the next commission coming. That's the SLHSV. Uh, stands for Hunts. HSV stands for Huntsville, and uh, that's really again the commission model like we talked about is athlete times terrain region, and that is all centered around uh, Liz Canty, who's an amazing. Uh, ultra trail runner, uh, that, uh, you know, really has done a number of, of great races in, um, in the Southeast region of the, of the country, uh, Huntsville is yeah. where she was located. Um, but also, um, you know, cruel jewel in Georgia, just different, different races everywhere. And, um, and so we, the commission is really centered around that and, you know, wet rock and limestone and, you know, just obviously very different terrain and, uh, than what maybe you'd find in, in Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. So, so that is the SLHSV that's coming and you'll see some tweaks to the product, um, that, you know, are going to give you the best performance within that kind of say terrain mix. Um, so yeah, the she also wears a gator, so it's gator compatible. It's another little tweak. Love gators. Yeah, so we've you know, talked about that. that's one of those things where some you know some people love them and wear them a ton, and some people don't. She's a big believer, and you can well, see why like with doing those the terrain. Barclay and yes, stuff. yeah, exactly. So. so that was her ask, and then of course the you know custom features. She's uh, she didn't want it to be too pretty. She loves everything in black, so we kind of you know switched the colorway a bit that way. So, so it has a little green. 
little green. Yeah, we're keeping the brand green in there, but uh, Speedland green. Speedland yeah, green. Yeah, exactly. you got it. Such a great color. Such a great color. So, aside from the SLHSV, mm-hmm. is there anything else you guys want to talk about on the product side? I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, so you don't here's have to. No, no, we want to. We'll have I you mean, back on the program. Talk about you it. guys Why are welcome not? into the studio anytime. The we, process is interesting. We're partners you know? now. Oh yeah, that's right. We yeah. are. We got to share. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we we set out to make the SL a really technical, capable product, and I think the feedback we've gotten is, you know, it's done really well for people from marathon to 100K. Mm-hmm. For some athletes, maybe beyond that, they want a little more cushioning. And um, particularly in training, too, putting in the miles, and and so that's something that we're hearing and looking at. And you know, how do we have a point of view in that more max cushioning space? Because again, we don't want to go in and just do the same thing that other brands are yeah. doing. We've learned a lot with the uh, SL, and I think there's some things that we can carry over to to a, a different type of product that um, would make it just as special. So that's the kind of stuff that we're looking into. But it's all driven by the feedback from our athletes. And, you know, beyond that, there's plenty of other things we want to look at too. You know, um, we just want to you know, kind of make sure we can make something special yeah. no matter what it is. Yeah. yeah I think on, on a macro point of view, if we can't do something that we think is better um, in some way, we don't need to be doing that product. Yeah. It's pretty much that simple. And that kind of gets back to, you know, we don't need to make a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, it's easy to kind of say, well, packs and poles, and that's something, you know, we Let's may well look it. at someday. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, and it's not an easy thing, right? Cause there's a lot of product out there and there's, I'm sure a lot of good designers trying to solve these problems of shifting and yeah. how to get enough compression without, you know, kind of still being able to breathe and, yeah. you know, problems, you know, well, they're, they're challenging. And so when, and if we do that, we want to make sure we're bringing something unique and that really, does it differently and better. Yeah. What about, are you thinking about having a model that is a little bit more approachable on the price side of things? You and I have, you guys and I have talked about this, about how you sort of are starting with the Tesla model with the, mm-hmm. with the Roadster, the SLPDX, there's no mm-hmm. compromises whatsoever, but for sure you're uh, reducing the total number of people that you're speaking to the total audience of potential buyers. Right. Sure. Yeah. And there's probably an opportunity to have something that is hyper performance or still a very high quality product at a, at a slightly lower price point. I'm sure there's some people out there who are thinking longer term, the roadmap for Speedland. Mm-hmm. will there be something that's a little bit more approachable? As long as we can have a unique point of view yeah. and still keep the quality level high, I think for sure we'll, we'll expand that direction. But Again, we're like, we are not going to make like me too type product. Yeah. Like it's just not going to happen. And if that happens, I don't need to be part of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's that simple. I think that's, it's walking that line and how, how far down can we go and still bring that yeah. hyper performance without, without sacrificing quality or other expectations yeah. and certainly partnerships and because yeah, if you think about Tesla though too, you know, they started with the Roadster, their products are still hyper premium. Right. But they were able to sort of, you know, still have that positioning and have that, you know, performance element mm-hmm. um, 
while you know making these other models of things that were a little bit. Well, I would say they've had some missteps too, right? Yeah. They've had some quality control problems and things. Yeah. You guys you know, would know that. I mean, you guys are the I car mean, guys, but <laughs> nothing, n- not necessarily as a knock against them. I would just say from our side, it's something you know as a. It's a cautionary tale, yeah. you know. I think you have to be careful of those kind of expansions and doing them too quickly. Yeah. And that's where I say factory relationships are so critical. And if, yeah. you, if we just opened a new factory and started throwing new product in there, that wouldn't be the right thing. Yeah, as yeah. As a brand, so it takes time to develop the product, especially when we can't get over there. Yeah, right now. we can't travel, so it makes it uh, slower than we'd like. So uh, when is the Speedland Free Trail collab coming out that people want to know on the podcast. Yeah, man. when are we gonna? We should, we, what do they want to see? That's yeah, right. What do you want to see? Yeah, we got to figure yeah, this yeah. out. Well, we're gonna have to have a lot of those. We got a lot of like whiteboard here. Yeah, back yeah. Here, let's right? just start using <laughs> start it. Sketching out. <laughs> um, you bring up something that I think is interesting mm. that you know the audience might be curious about too, and obviously all over the news is the supply chain challenges around the world. Have you guys dealt with any of that stuff so far, We've, either with the PDX or with the products coming down the pipeline? Yeah, we did deal with it. We definitely, but we dealt with it more on, uh, I would say on this side. Um, so we have great factory relationships and, and because we're, I would say smaller and a bit nimble, um, we didn't have too many issues getting the product to the States. Yeah. <laughs> Once it was at the States, we definitely had some challenges because it sat in warehouses and, uh, you know, the the whole, everything that's being talked about um, in the past with trucking shortages and uh, that created a real problem and bottleneck for us. But uh, we worked through it and, uh, you know, hopefully we're in a better place. Yeah. Thankfully, our customers were pretty patient on that first delivery. It got delayed by four or five. Five weeks. I Trail think. runners are understanding people. It was great. I mean, honestly, I mean, we were we were thankful. They were patient, and we tried our best to communicate. You know, that's another thing. Customer service. Now yeah. it's it's us, right? So, yeah. um, just trying to be human and explain it best you can, but um, not be you know so repetitive. Finding that balance of not reaching out every day to say we still don't know, but yeah, we just try to put ourselves in you know the the seats of our. Uh, our consumers, our customers. And, uh, you know, it's it sometimes, honestly, I was even mad. I was mad at myself and I, I was mad. I felt mad. You know, I was like, I'd be angry right now. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I, to your point, I mean, the, I mean, gosh, they were so, yeah. <laughs> they were patient. It was more on well, the shipping as side. As, yeah. As long as yeah. you show the effort and yeah. communicate the understanding. Yeah. People are, are understanding and forgiving and ultimately they're I'm sure very happy when they receive their beautiful box of these green <laughs> shoes that it's almost like you don't want to get them dirty. They're so nice coming out of the box. But um so let's uh sort of finish by talking about our partnership because it's super exciting for us and for me. And it's novel, I think. It's holistic. It's not just like, hey, come be an athlete. And for me that was something that was very important as I tried to figure out my next step was similar to how you guys were sick and tired of the big brand environment. I just felt like I had sort of outgrown the traditional athlete partnership thing. And I was looking for opportunities where I could have a bigger impact, where I could be more involved and where I could also contribute in unique ways with media, with events, with just being a outward ambassador for the sport. And I think we've come up with something that's pretty unique and cool. 
and you guys are very open about the fact that the athletes that are you're working with now are actually partners in the business with you, myself included. And first of all, thank you. I think it's a wonderful uh, model to go with and aligns our incentives to where we really are on the same team and we can share in the potential future upside of the business. But talk about where that idea came from and if there's anything you want to add to my characterization. Well, I mean, I think we wanted this whole idea of having skin in the game, right? Yeah. Um, we kind of experienced that to some level, you know, in the corporate world uh, during our time, but not like what we're talking about here. Yeah. And, and like Kevin said earlier, it was even hard sometimes to even make that athlete connection or talk to athletes when you're working in those, those other jobs. So, you know, the idea with Speedland was more like center everything around the athlete because the athletes, the, also the unlock for the product, but also it's a bigger culture conversation. Like let's become like family, but really become like family. And we want to show up at the races, um, with our athletes. We want to support our athletes, um, ourselves. We're at, we're very average runners, I would say trail runners, but I would say we want to run those races too. At times, you know, we want to be part of it. Um, and it, it's almost like, you know, a lot of times people want to say, Oh, you got to separate your work and your life and all this stuff. I don't know if we necessarily believe that we, we believe like, we don't believe we want to like, <laughs> you know, trail running and um, our relationship with yourself and our other athletes. Like it's part of our life. It's part of it. I, it's not like we stop working at five o'clock. Yeah. It's like, no, it's 24 hours a day. It's part of our lives. What we do. Um, we're going to go run a race um, in Arizona, actually in a, in a couple of weeks, cold water rumble. Let's go. Yeah. And we're going <laughs> to, we're going to do it and we're going to do it with one of, one of our athletes. And He's bringing a bunch of his friends and he's going to run a house and it's just going to be a cool party and we're going to have fun, you know, and that's what it is. And it's, yeah, it's business. And of course we want to uh, make great product and do everything, but we also just want to live the, um, I don't know, live our values, I guess, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. And that's what we feel like even with, with yourself and as, as these conversations have rolled on is that's what we're about. And, um, that's what Speedland is about. Yeah. Um, and I hope everybody sees that. That's yeah. us, or hears that. That's listening. And it's like that's that's us. Yeah. If you you start a company and we're so careful about the choices we make on the product, you have to be just as equally careful on the choices of people that you kind of surround yourself with. Yeah. So I mean, it's great to partner with you. That really felt like it fell into place well, and I think it gives both of us just a little bit bigger reach. And I I think you characterized it as you know we can probably help each other raise the sport more. Yeah. To, you know, than we could individually. So yeah. it really to us resonated with what we want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's such a, an overlap in our attitudes and our outlook and our feeling of potential and opportunity in the sport right now. And I guess we should sort of go into a little bit more detail about not only the fact that I'll be an athlete for you guys and hopefully compete at a high level and do the equipment proud on the race course and in <laughs> no training, <doubt. laughs> but you're also going to be the title sponsor of this podcast. That's right. Yeah. And I guess we'll talk about that in a sec, but then also <laughs> you guys are going to be sponsors of our race, the Gorge Waterfalls 50K and 100K. Just spectacular. I mean, and that's Portland. a classic example of like, it's so, it's so cool, right? It's I so mean, cool. It's so I cool. mean, dude, so this is like really important for me to say, because like, I guess I just sort of mentioned it, but as I was thinking about 
my next partner and my next step in my career. It was really important for me to align myself with people who found value in what I do off the race course and outside of just being a pure athlete. And, you know, just in time marches on for all of us, I'm going to be 36 in March and I still feel like I can train and compete at a high level, but I feel like I can have this other different impact on the community that I love. And so it was really important for me to find a partner who recognized that I can still be a good athlete, but that I can do other cool stuff and we can do cool stuff together. Right. And that's part of the reason why I think we found so much alignment because this wasn't something that I could just necessarily do with, with any brand. It's great that you guys are small and nimble and local and, don't have layers of bureaucracy to sort of like, okay, decisions. We can just have conversations of like, Hey, can you guys sponsor the race? Sure. Yep. How much? Yeah. This is what we need. Okay. Yep. We're in. Thank you so much. Well, so, and I think one thing that really appealed to us or, you know, all the, all the conversations we've had is that you always came back to, you want to um, further the sport, you know, how does the sport progress? How can we make the sport progress in different ways? And that's part of the bigger culture conversation. And, for us, that's, that's a huge part of Speedland. I mean, the product is a huge part, but also how do we just further the sport? So. Yeah. Super exciting. Yeah. And I think we're, we're so aligned on that front. I think there's going to be a lot of fun opportunities to work together to further the sport. So I guess uh, we can start winding down now, but any sort of like final thoughts on, you know, this, new path that you guys are on. I mean, you've what, been working on this for what, a year and a half or two years, the challenges of entrepreneurship. And I think it's sort of the first time for both of you guys tackling something like that. It's first time for us too. any other sort of like final thoughts as it pertains to how far you guys have come in the last like year and a half and uh, plans for the future. Well, I mean, I think we're thrilled to be here and, Certainly kicking off 2022 with this kind of news, this partnership, the race, and the kind of product lineup that we have. I mean, we're excited. We've never, I don't think I've ever been more excited in my professional career. It's scary at the same time, but that's part of the thrill. You know, we're learning new stuff every day and, um, you know, we're happy to be part of the community. And then yeah. 2022 looks amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I guess also I wanted to mention you guys are going to be the title sponsor of the podcast too. And it's so great because I tried to not take ads or monetize the podcast for a long time. And it was so important for me to find partners who really did believe in what we're doing and who I could authentically and genuinely promote. I don't have to go try and sell mattresses or whatever <laughs> to my audience. And so I appreciate and I'm sure Ryan does too, sitting here, our faithful producer and the MVP behind the scenes. We really do appreciate that you guys are willing to be our, our partner on the media side of things and that you see the value that we're trying to put into the community and that we can make this really cool novel partnership out of it. Yeah, we're, we're super excited after you know seeing your live streams over the summer and some of the, you know, hard work you were putting in too. It was a no brainer. I mean, between the races and, and what you're doing, you're just a great partnership. Yeah. Excited. Groovy. Well, thanks for coming into the studio guys. Hopefully yeah. the first, first of many when that, uh, 
SLHSV comes out, we'll we'll come back and do another one. I can that, and we'll, yeah, we'll and we'll get get Liz out here. Yes, awesome. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right. Well, the the cat is officially out of the bag. This is official. Got I got my T-shirt on and everything. Love I love it. I ran in the SLPDX this morning. Best shoe ever made. <laughs> Dave, Kevin, thanks for thanks coming for on the show. Us. Thanks for having us. For sure. Thanks. Okay, thanks so much to Dave and to Kevin for coming into my studio, into my home, and recording this podcast with me. Thanks to them also, of course, for believing in me and believing in us at Free Trail. Again, you can go get yourself a pair of the SLPDX, the best shoe ever made, at runspeedland.com. Use code FREETRAIL15, capital F, FREETRAIL15 for 15% off of your purchases. Also, go follow them on Instagram. At Run Speedland is the brand's handle, and then you could follow both Dave and Kevin at their personal handles, which are Speed Hack Dave and Speed Hack Kevin for their awesome YouTube channel. Uh, you can find links to all that stuff in the show notes to make it easier. But that's it for this one. I know there have been lots of updates and announcements recently. I hope it doesn't feel too obnoxious, but there has been a lot changing. And uh, I'll tell you more about the apparel thing soon. And then I think we'll be mostly done with these announcements, at least for a little bit. But the future is bright. Appreciate you all each and every day. Thank you so much for taking this ride with us. Love you all very much. Talk soon. Bye-bye.